0: Welcome to Into Africa. My name is Mvemba Pezo Dizolele. I'm a senior fellow and the director of the Africa program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. This is a podcast where we talk everything Africa. Politics, economics, security and culture. Welcome. There have been intense debates around the exhibition of African artifacts in Western countries those that Africa's former colonial powers stole during colonization. Western colonialists looted thousands of African artifacts that now sit in their museums, earning millions of dollars in tourist revenue. From South Africa's Kulin and Diamond, which is also famously known as the Star of Africa, to Ethiopia's Queen Ye Zaro Turinesh's dress, Repatriation of African artifacts will play a significant role in the future of Africa-Europe cooperation. The United Kingdom's King Charles III's coronation was held amid global calls for Britain to return the star of Africa to South Africa, which views the world's largest diamond as a sign of its pride, heritage, and culture. As the debates for the restitution of looted African artifacts continue, European former colonial powers have yet to come to terms with the fact that African artifacts belong in Africa. Amid claims from former colonialists that they are attached to these priceless items too, countries like France and Germany are taking steps to return the pillaged artifact to their rightful owners. Returning the African artifact to Africa will not only be a turning point in Europe dealing with its colonial history, but gives Africa a chance to tell its own story. Joining me to speak about this important topic is Eik Kwikende bashona a provenance researcher at the National Museum of the Democratic Republic of Congo, who recently participated in an international exchange program with the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of African Art in Washington, DC. Eric, welcome to Into Africa. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. So to start, what
1: is a provenance researcher? What do they do? To make it simple, we are kind of mediators between uh, museums and the public, between uh, private collectors and the public, we basically help people understand how did we acquire what we have in our storages or museums, which traces these collections went through until where they are. And then we also help people understand what narrative should these collections that were acquired in various conditions should have in today's museums and so on. And also understand which kind of museum education program should follow to support this narrative. So this is what we do as provenance researchers. So that's a very important role within the debate that
0: is taking place now, all these debates about the restitution of African art. What is your role? If you are in the middle of these processes, as you say, as a negotiator, how do you see this debate? Why is it important? We know that in a lot of European countries, they want to keep the material. They say, we have better conditions to protect them. And then Africans are saying, it doesn't matter what conditions you have. This belongs to us. Return them to us and we'll take care of them the way we know how.
1: Well, uh, as I just said, we are kind of looking into these questions from a global view, uh, kind of not just focusing on one aspect. We have to look at it from a holistic point of view. For instance, it is very important to look at the repatriation today, but not just from the material or physical aspect of it, but it has to be accompanied with the content. So today we say, well, it is good that the objects are repatriated. But what about the content? Because in those contexts in which collections were taken, they were not just taken as objects, but they also went with the cultures of the people, the history of the people. So as a provenance researcher, we look at it from a global point of view saying, well, it is good that we need the objects, but what about the history? That went? What about the fact that people were also separated with their own cultures? So this is a view from my job, how we look at it. So
0: as a provenance researcher, one, do you agree that this artifact should be returned? Yes. And two, in the way you're describing it just now, what will be need to be done once these artifacts are returned to us?
1: Well, I'm in favor that this artifact should be given back, but the word itself, repatriation, to me seems to be very vague in the current context, because when you look at it, it doesn't really explain what we want to express because it seems too limited. This is how we have to look at it from a global point, like where it is in the the sense of reconstructing the history of the people, then it is no longer just a repatriation, it becomes a reconstitution of the history of the people. So it is very important that we go through the history at the same time with the object, but we have also to testify that not every single object that were taken out of the continent or out of my country, the Democratic Republic of Congo was illegally taken. So this is another aspect that we try to bring into the debate to make it a dialogue, to make it a collaboration rather than a revenge or the kind of conflict. So in that case, what do you see
0: the responsibility of the colonialists, the former power, X or colonial power, Y, Belgium, Portugal, United Kingdom, the Netherlands, and so on? What do you see the role to be in this process? And what is the role of the Africans in this case?
1: Well, from the old colonial masters, the responsibility that they have first should be the one of opening up. They have to be ready to open up, they have to be ready to open rooms in which collections are are stored, in which archives at the same time are stored, so that we can sit on the table and go through this history that we are trying to reconstruct. So we believe that none of us in this current time is to be blamed. Sometimes we are all just victims of our past, but they have to be ready to open up to avail the collections, to avail the archives, this is their responsibility. But from the continent, there is also responsibility is that our political governors should understand that it is just crucial at this time to focus on our cultural richness. We cannot get developed if our people are not connected. If our people are not back to their origins and cultures, and so on. So these are the two responsibilities from each one side.
0: So you said a couple of things that are very important. The one you say, we are all victims of the past. We should not be blamed for it, if I heard you correct. In other words, that translates to say, the past is the past. We're not going to be pointing fingers. Yes, not to blame each other. Yeah. And then we all have responsibility in this now that we're here today. So can you spell out a little bit? Because you said the West needs to open up. What does that mean? What should they open? The museum's are already open. The West will say, you can come and it's open. You can just take pictures and pay for it anyways and read about it. We're publishing books. or we'll talk to the seminar. We're holding seminars here in our basement, in our conference rooms. Why don't you just go see that? That's enough. It's transparent.
1: Well, when I say they should open up, I mean... We have to be sincere. It is a dialogue. It is a way that we have to go along both sides. So it means it is not just enough to focus on the object, but there are the stories, the narratives that are being, you know, displayed in Western museums. What is this kind of narrative? Does it really reflect the people of Africa? Does it really reflect the people from whom these collections were taken? So they have to be open to accept that we collaborate, we tell them that this is the story that we know about ourselves, and this is how our story should be displayed in our museums or your museums at the same time, because as I mentioned, that the collections were taken along with the story and the cultures of the people. So tell me, when you give back the objects, you don't open up your archives. You don't open up the stories that were written about this collection. What do you want these people to be? in front of these collections? How are they going to be reconnected with their own collection? So I mean, the archives, there are still plenty, plenty of archives in Europe, in France, in Germany, and so on. They should give us access to these archives so that we can go through, read about our history, what have been recorded in those times, and we can reconstruct a new narrative for both of us.
0: So there what I hear is. The Europeans, in this case we're talking primarily about the Europeans, should be open, to change the narratives they've created around this artifact that they have in their own museum. So let's say they may misrepresent the sun people of Southern, southern Africa, for instance, or they may misconstrue the meaning of a mask from Uganda or from country X. So what you're saying, then we should go, the Africans should be able to say, According to our culture, this is actually what this mask represents, not what you put in your thing. And by the way, you should also open the archives. So it's not just the museum in terms of art, but it's all the knowledge that was generated and produced around that art in
1: the West. Exactly. You just pointed the facts I'm actually looking for, the knowledge. Because these collections, we should not look at them like simple art. They are art of life. They were made for certain purposes in a certain context to solve certain problems. It means they are carrying knowledges and these knowledges, we actually in need of them. We want them to boost our people, to create our own role models, which we should be focusing on. So we want this narrative to be told in museums, wherever these collections are saying, for instance, that our lives never started with the arrival of, you know, European in, in the continent. Our ancestors were living long ago before the birth of Jesus Christ, for instance. So these are the stories that we want. We want, you know, this collection to be with knowledges kind of representing our ancestors, how they dealt with different problems in those periods, how they solved problems of communications in those periods. So these are the knowledges that we want and they constitute the new narrative. So we want this to be taught in Africa and wherever these collections are. Interesting, because suppose they
0: fight back or suppose they accept. If they accept to adjust the stories, because there's been a serious resistance in the Greater North to adjust to the reality of the stories that you sent, to change the narrative, the narrative, even the international affairs is still very much a colonial narrative. As some leaders used to say, you know, Mobutu used to say in French, nous vivons dans un monde où les uns ont tout à dire et les autres n'ont rien à dire. Meaning, we live in a world where some groups have all they say on everything and other portion of the world have no say whatsoever on anything. So we are still struggling with that, right? Between academics, In your case, as a provenance researcher, as analyst, there's an entire friction that's continued. So suppose then the northern countries, the former colonial powers, accept this change. They're going to adjust. How do we determine that the narrative, the new narrative, is the correct one?
1: Well, first of all, we don't have a cultural authority to whom we should go and say, well, this is what has to be done. Well, it is a work of everybody, it is all of us work. In the cultural you know, field, it goes with so many activists, so many actors. I can name like museum professionals. You have the community of origins from where collections were taken. You have, you know, private collectors, you also have private researchers and so on. All of these people have actually written and have knowledge about what we have to do about what has to be said. So we work as one body to come up with the narrative. And in the end, the truth remains truth, even if no one accepted his truth. If I come with the truth, if it is the truth, it is the truth. It doesn't mean that everyone has to agree or disagree. It's still the truth. I suspect in a field like this, it's very hard to establish that truth. No, it is not a job of one person to establish the truth, but all of us work. This is why I'm seeing, you know, repatriation or reconstitution as a collaboration. We have to work together to go through, as I told you that everything has been recorded. We have archives, researchers have worked so hard in various cultures and so on. We have to sit and go step by step to reestablish or restore the history and cultures of the people from Africa.
0: So this will be done, you envision this being done through joint committees, joint research, uh, evaluation or something along those lines?
1: Yes, various programs in which, you know, uh, museum professionals and other academics meet and talk about this, just as we are doing it right now.
0: And is that happening? And is it happening to the satisfaction of scientists like yourself?
1: Yeah, to be honest, I have to say yes. For the couple of years, these debates have been happening or these meetings have been happening, gathering, you know, professionals from the continent and Europe, and now the United States have started also. Have you participated in any of those and what's your sense? Yes, from the United States, this is my second time that I'm participating. I'm really happy that the USA are really engaged in sense of changing the narrative of African collections that are in the country. And we just mentioned that the USA were not involved directly in colonization, but we should not forget the fact that most of African collections in the US transited via Europe. And then they came to the US and with this colonial description. So it is very important that we talk about it and it is happening. This is the second time that I'm meeting museum professionals and other academics from the continent with American professionals talking about the narrative. So the National Museum of African Arts here at the Smithsonian is an important holding. Yes, actually the Smithsonian is working so hard to, you know, to make this happen.
0: So what exactly is the Smithsonian Museum of African Art doing in this space of restitution and all the points that you've raised? the narrative, opening the archives and telling the story should be, what is the United States, through the Smithsonian, doing in that space?
1: Well, the fact that have been coming to this country for the second time means already a lot. There is the will of changing. If this will was not there, we couldn't meet in here to talk about this. And then from these, these meetings, we have come up with various resolutions and various methods I think in the coming month, those who will visit the National Museum of African Art will probably enjoy the exhibition that will reflect who we are. I think there is a very strong desire of changing the narrative and things actually are going very fast underground.
0: And besides changing the narrative, you are a researcher, provenance researcher in Kinshasa. That's long, long, long distance away from here. Those of us who live in Washington can go to the museum and look at this new narrative when you get to that point. When the narrative changed, maybe we see this next to the art itself. This came from, this, what was this used for? But the people in Kinshasa, the people in Accra or in Bamenda in Cameroon don't have access to this art. So is there room for this art either to have rotating exhibition or part of this debate also includes the physical return of this art to where they came from?
1: Yes, I have to say the both are considered the return of the physical collections. There are couples of collections already that were given to some African countries. I name Nigeria, for instance, from the Smithsonian. And then they are also working with a few countries also. And I think Congo will be the next in the coming month. And then we have a network actually. We have our network, which, you know, like implies collaborations and so on. We are still open and we have personal projects. So it is not over with this mission. So we are just going like physically, but spiritually we remain one body. So we'll keep on sharing information that the time that these informations are available here, they would also be available in our different countries and this is for some of our countries already happening and we have brought them to the U.S. as well. The other element to this debate is the private ownership of
0: this art. So in developed countries, there are individual, high net worth individuals who own a lot of art, and sometimes these people are the ones who lend art to institutions. Where do you see this high net worth individual, these rich people or rich families? What's their role
1: in the restitution? Great, that's why I talked about a holistic approach of restitution. We shouldn't just focus on museums because we also have private collectors, for instance. They are also part of the debate. When I talk about people or the Europeans or the former colonial master to open up, I also imply that private collectors should also open up so that we can be ready to access to what they have, so we can question what they have and see how to make all of these collections beneficial to the people. They shouldn't be hidden, they shouldn't be stored like in prison and so on. They should open their rooms, they should open their doors, so that provenance researchers, museum professionals should get access and help them to make what they did beneficial for the world.
0: There is a financial dimension to this. so. When I read the introduction earlier, when we started the program, I talked about millions of dollars in revenue that this museum generates around developed nations. What is the discussion? While we wait for country X in Africa or country Y to build the infrastructure, if they're doing that or not, the West is still generating millions of dollars in revenues. What kind of allocation that you provision in this debate are made for that? Does that mean they have to send percentage of the resource that generates to the countries where this art originated from? Or do we wait until such time when African countries will have the capacity to take this arts back?
1: Well, as I said in the beginning, we want a kind of debate about restitution or reconstitution a collaborative, a dialogue one, uh, we know that most of our connections actually were taken in conflict, you know, uh, context. So we don't want, again, by the time that we are negotiating, trying to create a new narrative to come up with a new conflict. So it is actually in collaboration, in dialogue, when we are talking and speaking with partners that we'll see the necessity of getting maybe some fund and so on. But it shouldn't be like a payment. If we go in terms of payment, then we're likely going to create another conflict. So the financial dimension actually in the debate shouldn't be the priority. The priority is about the history of the people. The priority is about getting access to our history and culture. The financial support will come later on, maybe from other sources. But I'm not
0: talking about the financial support. I'm talking about the money that is being generated by the exhibition of art that belonged to African people. So if you go to the Louvre or if you go to Terre in Belgium, you know, the entire Terre Museum now has been rebaptized the Museum of Central Africa or art or something, right? So that itself, it's really regionalized what this museum is about. When you walk in that museum, you find art, the majority of which from the DRC, and then art from Burundi and Rwanda and so on. Every day, people go there, they pay to get access. People pay to get access to the Louvre. People pay. Smithsonian is free, thank God. We all can go there for free, but you have to be in Washington to go there. So the money that is being generated at the Louvre at the Terre Vérin and other places, what I'm saying is, in the interim, the Pende in Bandundu, the Congo in Congo Central, the Hutu, the Tutsis in, in the mountains of Rwanda, where this art generated from, they're not getting anything from these things. So I'm not saying that it should be a payment because of the artwork taken. Maybe. That's not the question I'm asking. I'm simply asking, while in the interim, these countries are still generating millions in revenue, as scientists, as you sit in these meetings, in this discussion, what are you talking about when it comes to that?
1: Well, we are kind of trying to be separating powers and leave the money interest to the diplomatic you no know, aspect of our political okay.
0: All right. Okay, that's fair. Yeah.
1: Okay. You're a scientist. You want to talk about
0: the science part, not the art part. You don't want to talk about the money. So that then leads us to the other question. What is the role of African government now? You are just an art specialist. You're doing your work. You're an expert, you're a scientist, but you don't make policy decisions. What are African countries, African government doing to ensure this transition beyond the mixed commission and the scientists commission? Those diplomats you're talking about, what are they doing to ensure that the transition happen?
1: At this time, to be honest, I have to say they haven't been doing much. We still have a lot to do in the continent in terms of promoting or, you know, preserving our cultural heritage and so on. Our leaders should actually learn from Europeans' leaders or Americans' leaders how they support their culture and history. So we have a lot to do. Just imagine like the African continent at this time do not have infrastructures. Most of African countries from Congo for instance, the only museum which has been built according to the norms was funded by South Korea. Can you imagine because of $21 million, another government has to fund the building of your own museum. But when you look into the management, everyday management of our politicians, 21 million is the money that they work with in in the cars they are corrupt with. So they still have a lot to do. And one of the reasons maybe they are not that attached to this may be linked to the historical, you know, fact that, you know, they were actually uh, separated with their culture, they were actually trained not to see the significant aspect of what they have in their material cultures. And today we are actually suffering from that. This is why we keep on pushing with the new museum education program to the young ones so that we can hope that in 10 years, 20 years to come, we'll have leaders who will be really conscious, culturally speaking, who will be really, you know, promoting and funding their own project. Can you imagine that we have that as museum professionals, we can't lead in the continent. Every time that we have to meet? the fund has to come either from the US, either from Europe and so on. So this do not really help us, do not put us as Africans professionals in a position of power, of deciding, of pushing things faster, as faster as we would love, because our leaders actually are not that much involved in funding this cultural aspect. So the same effect of
0: colonization that stripped Africa of its art is also stripped a lot of the African leaders of the conscientization they need for this. On that note, Eric Quende bashona I would like to thank you for joining us today on Into Africa. This was informative and enlightening. Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you for listening. We want to have more conversations about Africa. Tell your friends. Subscribe to our podcast at Apple Podcasts. You can also read our analysis and report at CSIS.org slash Africa so long.